Corinthians chapter 3, please. If you don't have a Bible, I could be pulling your leg. I'm not, but I could be. If you don't have a Bible, how do you know? How do you know if what I'm saying is true? Philippians chapter 3. Uh, last week, I shared a few thoughts about New Year's and I know that New Year's, uh, we have these things called New Year's resolutions where we decide that our world is going to be different and our life is going to be different and everything's going to change in the new year and you know, you, you, you've only got to, I guess, uh, do that so many times before if you're real with yourself, you come to the conclusion, as I have at 43 years of age, a date change on a calendar has never changed anybody. A date change on a calendar doesn't have some inherent power to change my life for the better. That comes back to my own choices. That comes back to my own decisions. That comes back to me making a choice. It doesn't have to be made on the 1st of January. I can make that choice on the 2nd of March or the 31st of... What month's got 31 dates? Now? I don't want to... December. You could do it 31st December. You could do it in June at some point. You could do it in April. It doesn't matter. It comes back to making decisions and sticking to those decisions. And um, statistically, uh, I think 80% of people that make New Year's resolutions go fantastic for the first 14 days. They kill it. They nail it for 14 days. And then after 14 days, they fall off the wagon. And statistically, uh, I think 4% of people actually follow through with their New Year's resolutions. Most people will make the same New Year's resolution the next year and the next year and the next year and the next year. Wouldn't you think after a couple the penny would drop? It, making a new, you know, just because a, a date change on a calendar is not enough motivation for me to change. There's got to be more to that. So we talked a little bit last week about New Year's resolutions and, and you know, what, 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 uh, what change you want to see in this next new year. And that change has got to start with you. It's got to start from a decision. Forget a calendar date, forget a day of the week. Make a decision. What do you want your life to look like? Who do you want to be? What do you want? Where do you want to head with your life? And more importantly, who does God want you to be? What is God saying to you about your life? You know, I believe that every one of us have a call to build the kingdom of God. I don't care what you do for a living. It's irrelevant. I don't care what your vocation is. I don't care uh, what your capacity is intellectually, I don't care what your financial status is, every single one of us who carry the Spirit of God inside of us have a call upon our life to build the kingdom of God. In some way, shape or form, we are all called to be kingdom builders. We need to understand that. It's important that we understand that. And in the decisions that we make, and as we look at this next year and how it's going to unfold, I hope and pray that every one of us, as we look at where we want to go and who we want to become and what we want our world to look like and, 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 you know, what type of father we might want to be or mother we might want to be or, or spouse, partner, or what kind of worker we might want to be, what kind of boss, whatever it is. As we look at all that stuff, uh, I hope that we do it with prayerful consideration. And I hope that we do that with an understanding that whatever that is, somewhere inherent in that is a call to build the kingdom of God. You know, when Jesus came, and he called his disciples. He said, follow me and I will what? I will make you fishers of men. It was an inherent call upon every human being that gives their heart to Christ. We are called to work with God and we are called to build the kingdom. Now before we go out becoming fishers of men, there's an inherent step before that as well and that is follow me. Jesus said, if you follow me, 
whatever I lead you into, wherever I take you, it's going to be for the purpose of fishing for men. Somewhere in it all is going to be this inherent call to build the kingdom of God here on planet Earth. Is that right? Build the kingdom of God here on planet Earth. You might be called to be the richest billionaire businessman in the world. Well, I would dare say within that call will be something of kingdom building. Maybe you're going to get a platform to speak to other business people and be able to share your faith. And maybe they'll respect you because money's their language. Oh, and you've made lots of money, so we'll listen to you. And you've got within that a platform, an opportunity to share your faith. Maybe it's to, to use some of that untold wealth of yours to sow into the kingdom of God, to get the gospel out there into places and nations and to people and so on. And, and whatever it is inherent within that call, if you're a school teacher, you're not just there to make it to the top and become a principal so that you can be in charge of a school so that you can get a plaque at the end of your days and a good retirement fund. You are there. Somewhere inherent in that position is a call to build the kingdom. Somewhere inherent in whatever you do and whoever you are as a believer is this call to build the kingdom of God. Paul, the apostle, was a man called to build the kingdom of God. I love one of the things I love about the New Testament, in particular Paul's writings, Paul's very honest about his life. He's quite honest about how he feels at different times. You know, there's nothing spiritual about denying the reality of life. Sometimes we're up and sometimes we're down. Sometimes we feel fantastic. On top of it, feel like we could take on the world. Truth is, there are other days where I just want to crawl under a rock and die and I just wish I didn't have to face the next day. We all have moments like that. I love that about Paul. He's, he's honest in what he writes. But I want to share with you one of my uh, favourite passages of Scripture from Paul. It's in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 to 15. Paul writes this. He says, Brothers, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things that are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. I do not count myself to have apprehended but one thing I do. In the New King James, you'll notice that I do is italicized. If you've got a New King James Bible there. It was added. It wasn't in the original Greek manuscript. A better reading of that passage is found in the New Living Translation. It says it this way. It says, No, dear brothers and sisters, I am still not all I should be, but I am focusing all my energies on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I strain to reach the end of the race and receive the prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us up to heaven. I hope that all of you who are mature Christians will agree on these things. What Paul's saying is this. Keep in mind who's writing. This is Paul the Apostle. He has seen miracles. He has seen signs and wonders. He has seen God do things that would flip the human mind on its end. He has been persecuted. He has been at the height of the mountain. He's been in the bottom of the valley. He's been imprisoned. He's been beaten. Even before that took place, he was a man zealous for God. Paul had a passion for God. He just didn't understand that Jesus was a part of the big plan. And he went about and he was so zealous he persecuted the church. He took women and children and he had them put to death. This is on his resume. But he thought he was doing all this for the right reasons. He was convinced 
that he was doing this for God. That was his conviction. When the light appeared to him on the road to Damascus, he says, yes, Lord. Yes, God. He understood that God was real. He had a solid faith in God. He just missed the Jesus bit until his eyes were blinded and Christ revealed himself to him. He's done a lot of things. He's experienced a lot of things. He's planted churches. He's been to places where the gospel hasn't been. He's spoke to the intelligent ones and tried to match it with them. He spoke to to the not-so-intelligent ones. He's been around, he's done a lot of things. And he says this, he says, I do not count myself to have apprehended or I don't consider myself to have understood anything, but there's one thing that I can honestly say to you I understand. There's one thing after all my experience and all the life that I've had, there's really only one thing I'm 1,000% convinced of that I want to say to you. There's one thing that I don't want you to forget and that's this principle. You have to forget the past in order to go forward into the future. Of all the things I've experienced and learned, this is one thing I'm convinced of. Until you reconcile the past and let go of it, you will never fully walk into the future that God has for you. It'll be virtually impossible. You may get a little bit of the way, but you will not receive everything God has for you in the future if you can't forget the past. You will not be everything God wants you to be in the future if you can't come to a place of forgetting and letting go of the past. Now, the Greek word for forgetting means this. It means to forget, to neglect, to no longer care for, given over to oblivion. So Paul's not saying pretend it didn't happen. Paul's not saying let's pretend that whatever happened in your past didn't happen. That's denial. That's not biblical, it's not going to help you, it's just going to suppress things, it doesn't help you deal with nothing. Paul's not saying, let's just imaginarily forget that it didn't happen. You know, you see that um, uh, in, 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 in people that have gone through major traumas or stresses or whatever, and they just want to deny the reality of that painful situation. No, it didn't happen. No, it did happen. I was like, no, it didn't. Maybe you've journeyed through stuff with people and you know this is a traumatic thing you've gone through. There's no way you can't feel traumatised by that situation. And you try to talk to them and they'll go, oh, no, it doesn't bother me. I'm all good. But you know there's no way a human can go through that and not have feelings about this thing. Paul's not saying deny it, pretend it didn't exist. And he's not saying use all your willpower to try to block out the memory. Maybe if we summon up enough willpower... We can just block out those painful memories of the past. Maybe if I just can summon up enough of inner strength and fortitude, I can just forget the fact that I wasn't raised by a mother and a father. And I can just, if I can just forget that, then maybe any of the pain associated with that will just disappear because it didn't happen, because it's not there anymore. Paul's not saying anything like this. But the fact of the matter is that our brains are actually created by God in such a way that, did you know everything you see and do and say and hear is stored somewhere in your neural pathways in the back of your brain? It's all there. Did you know that? You haven't lost anything. You have not lost anything. It's, it's science. It's the way your brain is wired. You know, if you're like me and you're on the computer and you're doing something and you make a mistake and you just hit the backspace and you just delete a line or something, or maybe there's a, an email that you wrote. You, someone sent you an email and you just went, blow, blow this, I'm giving it back to them, bang. And you just sit there for three hours, coffee after coffee, typing faster and faster and faster. And then in the morning when you wake up and you look at it, you go, oh no, no, I, I can't. 
So you hit the delete button and it goes. Ever done anything like that? Am I the only one who's ever done that? Hey? You'll never know who's going to get that email now. Um, did you know that when you delete that, all it does is it takes it away from the front screen of the computer. Did you know that everything you've done on your computer, every website you go to, everything you do and type and so on, it's all there and computer technicians, the right people, can take your computer and dig around in it and get everything out that you've ever typed and done and been and seen on that computer. Did you know that? That's why when they go to a crime scene or a, 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 a drug lab or a terrorist plot or whatever, they always take the computers. Now, terrorists wouldn't sit there and go, and then leave it sitting in their inbox. They're going to delete it. And they're going to try to wipe it off the face of the computer. But it doesn't disappear. It's there. And the right people can come along and get that computer and get into the back back of that computer and get that information out. And our brains are like that. Everything we ever experience is here. It's there. So Paul's not saying forget it in the sense of, well, you can just choose to choose to defy science choose to defy the way that your brain was created by God himself and just get rid of it. He's not saying that. What he's saying is this. Stop dwelling on the past. Stop looking back over your shoulder towards it and allowing it the power to stop you walking forward into all that God has for you today. You need to deny the past, the power to control your present by letting it go. Letting it go. You know, we have all had things happen in our lives. We've all had traumas. We've all had good things and bad things. We've all had experiences, highs and lows. Things that have made us laugh, created fantastic memories for us. Memories that we like to recall when we get together with family and friends. But we also all have things that we wish we couldn't recall. We have things that we wish we could just completely block out of our brain. We wish we had never experienced, we had never seen, we had never heard, we had never said. And quite often a lot of that stuff had nothing to do with you. Quite often a lot of those things have nothing to do with your making. It wasn't your fault. Some of it maybe was. But some of it wasn't. And it's there. And what Paul's saying is we've got to get to a place where we can let it go. Because if we can't let it go, we can't catch the future. Now there's an old um, story we used to share when we were in YWAM and we would go around uh, overseas and we would do evangelism. And I'd use this analogy about sin. But it's the same picture as what Paul is talking about here. And it's how the Amazonian Indians used to catch monkeys. Anyone know that story? They would get a coconut. And what they would do with the coconut is they would um, cut the coconut uh, in half and inside the coconut they would put a banana. And then they would put the half of the coconut over the banana with the hole. And there would be a rope tied from the coconut to a tree. And the monkey would come along, as monkeys do, and he'd sniff around and he'd see there's a banana in the coconut. So he'd get his hand like this and he'd go in and he'd grab a hold of that banana. And then he'd go to pull his hand out and There's no room. And monkeys being monkeys, I ain't letting go of that banana for anybody. That's my banana. And they're fighting, fighting. Before you know it, they realise it's attached to a chain. The uh, Amazonian Indians would jump out with their spears and their clothes. This monkey would be freaking out. 
This monkey would know he's in all kinds of trauma and trouble and pain. All he has to do is let go of the banana and he's free. But he will not let go of that banana. He just won't because he wants that banana. And you know what? For many people, that's a great picture of our past. We hang on to things from the past that we shouldn't be hanging on to, that we don't have to hang on to. We can choose to let some of this stuff go. We can choose to let it go. So what sort of stuff are we talking about? Well, it can be things that we ourselves have done. It can be things that you have done. I can imagine when Paul's penning this and writing it down. As a matter of fact, if you go back, uh, further back to the start of the same chapter there, Philippians chapter 3, Paul goes on and he talks about in, in verse 4, you know, that I might have confidence in the flesh. He talks about all these things that he was. I was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. I knew the Bible. I was this, I was that. Oh, he talks about all these great things. At the end of the list of all the things he was, he says, and concerning the church, persecuted them to the death. I imagine Paul, as he's penning this, and he writes those words, the very people that I'm preaching to, the very faith that I'm instilling in you, the God that I'm asking you to follow, I killed women and children who followed this God. I was responsible for their death. I reckon Paul would have had to let go of some guilt of the past. Paul would have, even though he did it in ignorance, even though it was done in ignorance, in zealousness for God, don't tell me that a human being wouldn't have feelings about that. You know, I was in the Solomon Islands a number of years back and we used to take outreach teams over there. And it was... I started going to the islands before their civil war. They had a, a civil war that broke out um, between the Guadalcanal people and those from Malaita. The Malaitans would come across the Guadalcanal, they would work really, really hard um, and do the jobs that the, the, the Guadalcanal people didn't want to do. After a while, the Guadalcanal people decided, well, we're sick of this, you're coming over from your island, you're taking our jobs. I used to go over there before this problem and I'll tell you, I've never been to a friendlier place in my life. The islanders are so friendly. Big smiles, everybody was helpful, everybody loved it. It was an amazing place to go to. You almost felt guilty taking an outreach team to a country that was so happy, you know? But they still needed Jesus. I used to go there before the Civil War, then after the Civil War broke out, I took a team over there about three months after the tension all died. Parts of the city were all burnt down, Chinatown was, was, was all rubble and ash. And walking downtown was a totally different sight. People weren't smiling anymore. People would walk past each other and as they'd walk past they would turn and watch just to make sure because I could have done something to your family relatives in the... And we're talking little kids running around killing people. They got caught up in it. And as I would talk to some of the locals they would say, well, no, you can't trust anybody because I don't know. I could have killed your uncle. And there's a payback system. I will be paid back for that at some point. And so they would be in fear of everybody downtown walking around... It was a terrible place to go. But I remember being on a boat heading across to Malaita with this outreach team and one of the members of our team got chatting to a young man. And he started to share with this young man about the love of God, the forgiveness of God, the grace and the mercy of God. And this young man just looked at him and said, no, God can't forgive me. He said, yes, he can. Jesus can forgive you. He loves you as you are. And the guy, his eyes filled up with water and he tried to fight back the tears. And he said, God couldn't love me. God knows what I've done. I've got blood on my hands. And he'd taken lives of other people during that ethnic tension. 
And he couldn't let go of that. The guilt that he struggled with. He couldn't even imagine that God himself could deal with that. Yet we all know that God could. We all know that God's love and grace and forgiveness were there that day for that young man. But he couldn't let go of what he had done. Couldn't let go of what had happened. It's a sad story to hear of people like that. You know, I, when I was a young kid, I wasn't always a nice person. I hung around people that weren't always the nicest of people. And we live in an age now where suicide is a massive problem and depression amongst men is becoming more and more of an issue in society. People are talking about it, which is a good thing. I remember this young man. I don't even know his name. We used to call him the Purple Pansy. Me and a group of mates. He would walk down the street by himself to the shops. His mother would send him to buy milk or something. We'd be playing football and whenever we saw him, someone would call out, ah, it's the Purple Pansy. We'd chuck our stuff, we'd run across the road. He would just walk and stare straight ahead. He knew if he looked at one of us in the eye, it was going to be on. He knew if he said something back to one of us, it was going to be on. So he would just walk straight ahead like this. And we'd be surrounding him, mocking him, making fun of him, just terrorising him, you know, terrible. And I remember on one particular day, I just got a bit agitated, I guess, a bit egged on by the older boys. And we were walking along and we weren't getting a response from him. So I remember clocking him one in the jaw. He was bigger than me. He could have tore me apart if he wanted to. And I watched him keep walking and I watched the tear build up in his eye. And I watched this water. Face stayed stony cold. But I watched this tear come down his eye. You know, every time, every time I hear of a suicide of, 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 of a male on the news or in the papers, every time I hear of someone that takes their own life, you know, there's a part of me that goes, oh God, I hope it's not him. hope it's not him. I've often prayed, God, if I could please bump into this man again, if he's still around let me bump into him. Let me sit him down. Let me look him in the eye. Let me say, you know what? You're right. You're not the problem. I was the problem. The idiots I was hanging around with were the problem. Please, please understand. You're a good person. Terrible. I've got to choose to let that stuff go because you know what? I may never get the chance to see this guy. And I did it in ignorance, but it doesn't mean you don't have feelings about that stuff. It doesn't mean that things like that don't have their claws in you and don't at time to time raise their ugly head and try to drag you back and keep you back in those moments, in those places. Try to deny you the opportunity to move forward with your life. For some of us, we carry shame and guilt for things we've done as believers. Maybe as a Christian you've done things that you carry a bit of guilt for. Maybe as a Christian you've said or done things that you know are wrong and you struggle to let go of that stuff and move forward with God. This is what Paul's talking about. We've got to deny the past the opportunity to control the future because as long as we're hanging on to that stuff and as long as we're looking at that stuff, we will never reach the potential in the future that God has for us. We need to let go of it. Second group of things that need to be forgotten can be things that have been done to us. Things that have been done to us. They can be negative things, negative experiences, heartache, disappointment, perhaps it's unmet expectations, hurts, pains, etc. Things that you had no control over. For a lot of us as children, we don't have a lot of control over what goes on. You know, you can't control the family that you're born into. 
out of your control. It is what it is. You can't control the circumstances under which you came into the world. You can't control the circumstances into which you were forced to live as a child. You can't control that stuff. Wish we could. I was brought up in a very dysfunctional environment and I'm 100% confident I'm not the only one in this room that was brought up in that kind of an environment. From a very young age, I felt this strong burden to have to look after my sister who was six years younger than me. I don't know where it came from other than I had two parents who weren't doing it. I feel like I didn't have a childhood because it was spent worrying about things that as a child I shouldn't have had to worry too much about. But I did. I didn't ask to be born into that family. I didn't ask for my mother and father to be the people that they were or to act the way they were. Some years back I found out that what I thought I was doing a good job of protecting, I'm sitting at my mother's house one day and she just blurts out a moment in time that I was unaware of and I couldn't protect my sister. She just said it as a laugh, got on with the rest of the conversation. I had to go and walk to the bedroom and sit down by myself and think, wow, who asks us for this stuff? Who signs up for this stuff? Who put their hand up for this stuff? It wasn't me. To this day, I still wish that I had had a mother and a father. I look around at some kids, especially in church, and you're brought up and you might not have perfect parents, but they're doing a great job. They're doing the best they can. And I look at that. And sometimes I hear kids whinging about their parents. You know, oh, mum, mum and dad don't let me do this. What? You mean mum and dad don't let you go out by yourself to three in the morning? What bad parents? Gosh, I wish I had had parents that actually cared enough to say to me, hey, there's a few boundaries here in life and you can't step outside of them. Wish I had that. Would have been fantastic. Maybe my world would have turned out a little bit differently. But you can't change a lot of that stuff. And here's the important thing for us to understand as well. One of the truths you need to embrace in order to let go of the past is that not everything will be healed or reconciled this side of heaven. I know that's a very unpentecostal thing to say, but it's the truth. Not everything that has happened to you in this life, not every pain, every disappointment, every hurt, not everything will be reconciled or dealt with this side of heaven. Some things will. Why does God heal these things but not those? I'm not God, I don't know. That's the mystery of God. That's why it's called faith. I don't get it. But I do know this. I am not going to die a whole person. Neither are you. You have issues and things in your life right now that will not be reconciled. Sorry if that's bad news, but it's the biblical truth. There are things that won't happen. Why is this person physically healed and this one not? I don't know. I don't have an answer other than it's the mystery of God. Why has this person's emotional wounds? I remember being in a meeting once and there was a girl there and we were, were, were worshipping God. It was in the middle of worship and the Holy Spirit moved in such a powerful way that there were all kinds of visible manifestations. Now, I don't care if you shake, rattle, roll, jump. I don't care about all that stuff. It's the fruit of that. Is God doing something? And, I, and we'll know that later on. We'll see the change. It'll be evident. And this girl was sitting on a chair like this with her hands in the air and she had all kinds of baggage from her childhood. I, I was doing a training school with her. We were good friends. I knew a lot of stuff that had happened. 
something picked her up. Literally. She was standing like this. She was lifted off the ground and thrown three rows of chairs backwards. She landed with the small of her back on the back of the chair. Bounced down, flipped forward, landed on her face on the grass, burst out into hysterical laughter. In one moment, was set free of all this emotional stuff that years and years of counselling had been unable to do. Why would God do that for her, yet here I am still carrying baggage from my childhood? God, I'd be happy, God, for you to throw me over a couple of chairs if I could deal with this stuff. Why doesn't he do it? I don't know. There's a mystery to God. But you know what? She might have been healed of that, but she's going to limp into heaven with something else. We all are. We're all going to limp up there with something else. And I wonder how many of the things that we're looking back at, waiting for God to heal, waiting for some kind of reconciliation, waiting for some aha moment to go, that's why that happened, so that then we can turn around and move forward. You know what? For a lot of things, it's probably not going to happen. So why wait? Why keep hanging on to that? Why allow the past to dictate your future? Why allow the past to be the reason why, oh, this is why I can't come to church anymore because I was hurt. This is why I can't trust my wife because this happened in a previous relationship. This is why I... Please. There are a thousand things that we can validate and hang on to back here that are going to keep us back here. But if you want to move forward with your life, if you want to go forward with God and embrace everything God has, you have to let go of some of this stuff. Stop allowing it the power to control your future. Forget it. To forget, the Greek word there means to, to not give it control. To say you can't take control. Yes, it was traumatic. Yes, it was bad. Yes, it wasn't God. Yes, it shouldn't have happened. And all my feelings are valid. I should be angry. I should be frustrated. But I've still got to make a choice to stay there justified in my feelings because they're valid, because they're right, because I can, you know, come up with all the reasons. Or I can go, enough's enough. I've got to let go of that. Otherwise, I will never, ever fully be free to walk forward into my future. And God, if you choose to heal me down the track... Praise God, if you don't, I'm going to keep walking anyway. I'm going to keep going forward anyway because I can't let this control my life. The past is the past for a reason. It's past. It's gone. The effects are very real. Yes, they are. But we don't have to be controlled by the effects of the past. We've got to learn to let go. And Paul says in Philippians, this is mature thinking. He says, this is mature thinking. It goes so far as to say in that passage we read, if you think otherwise, may the Lord correct you. Let anyone who is mature be of the same mind. Christian maturity is letting go of that stuff. See, Paul words it in such a way. This thing I have apprehended, this thing I know. Forgetting the past, I go forward. You can't go forward unless you first let go of the past. Let go of it. Things have happened to you? Yes. They were traumatic? Yes. They were wrong? Yes. They weren't God? Yes. They've scarred you? Yes. They've scarred people around you? Yes. Yes, 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 and a thousand amen. But deny that thing the power to control your future. And that comes back to you making a mature choice to go, I'm just going to let this go. I've got to let it go. Philippians 1.6 says, Being confident of this, 
very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. You're a good work in progress. It won't be completed till Christ comes back or till you go to him. Until then, you've got to make some choices about what you want to focus on and where you want to go. God will continue his work. New Living Translation puts it this way, I am sure that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on that day when Christ Jesus comes back again. Not finished, never will be, until he comes back. I didn't ask to be born into the family I was born into or to experience a lot of what I experienced or to see or to hear or to feel a lot of what I did. I can't change the fact that it all happened. But what I do have is the power to deny it the right to dictate my future by letting it go and no longer focusing on it, moving forward with my life. The third group of things that we've got to forget. Sometimes are positive events or experiences that have happened in my life. Sometimes when we think about forgetting things, it's only the negative. You know, sometimes you've got to let go of the positive things too. Because if you don't, you'll be stuck back there in that moment as well. Maybe your last church was better than this one. Probably was. But you're not there, are you? For whatever reason, and I'm just assuming it's God, he's moved you on. So this is a different church. And maybe your other church was better. Well, you can sit here every week and judge it and go, well, the other one was better and that one, they did this and they did that. That's great, you can do that. Fine, no drama. But you'll stay back there. If God wanted you back there, he would have kept you there, but he didn't, he moved you on. You can look at me and Jackie and go, well, our other pastors were better. They used to visit us twice a week. The other guy's preaching was way better. He was funny, told lots of jokes. This guy's boring. Well, maybe. But you're not there, you're here. And I'm making the wild assumption that God's put you here for a reason. If he's put you here for a reason, you've got two choices. You either embrace where you are now and you let go of that stuff or you can keep pining for that. And My, my suggestion would be if you want to hang on to it, go back to it. Because you're not going to receive anything here, move forward here. This is never going to be a blessing to you and you're never going to be a blessing to arise either. That's your mentality and that's how you think. Sometimes we've got to let go of good things. Maybe God used you a certain way once. And you keep looking back to that. Well, God used to use me like this. and Maybe God's not using you like that now. Maybe God's got something else, another way that he wants to use you. But you keep looking back to that going, oh, but I, that was better. I want to be... How many Pentecostal people? I, I, I sound like I'm picking on Pentecostals all the time. I'm not because we're a Pentecostal church. But I'm sure you all know where I'm coming from. Oh, I remember when God was doing this great move. Remember when everybody was laughing and falling over in the spirit and all this stuff and that pining for God and, and, and God can be smack bang right in front of them but because he's not doing that, they can't see God because they're back here going, oh, I'm just waiting again for a meeting where somebody falls over and I'm waiting again for someone to start laughing and everything. Look, if God wants to do that, God will do it. But God's moved on and God is doing something new in the church. God's doing something different. But if you're sitting there looking at a previous move of God going, oh, but I'm pining for that and I want that. Guess what? If you're looking at that, and you're allowing that to control what you're looking at now, you will never move forward. You won't keep in step with God. You won't keep in step with what the Spirit of God is doing in the church. You won't keep in step with what the Spirit of God is doing in your own personal life because we're looking back. So sometimes we've got to forget some of the good things. And by forgetting, I don't mean denying they happened. They did happen. Enjoy the memories, enjoy the moment. 
But by forgetting, I mean let go of its ability to control the future. Let go of its ability to control the future. Arise, church, will be different, for better or worse. The Kirchens will be different pastors, for better or worse. The way God uses you here may be different, for better or worse. And what God's doing in the world right now will be a new thing, in your eyes, for better or worse. But God's going to do what God wants to do. If you do not let go of the way it was in the past, you will never be able to embrace the future. We've got to let go of the past. Jesus encouraged his disciples not to look back at the past, saying if they did, they were not fit for his kingdom. Luke 9.62, Jesus said, No one having put his hand to the plough and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. That word fit in the Greek means well-placed, fit or useful. If you want to be well-placed, fit and useful to be used by God, you've got to not be looking over your shoulder at the past, looking behind you. You've got to look ahead. You've got to let go of the past. You know, your healing lies up ahead, not back there. If you are to get healed from some of this stuff that you struggle to let go of, the healing is not back here, it's ahead. But if you want to stay back here looking, hanging on to, using as an excuse, using as a crutch, your healing could be 10 steps ahead, but you're not moving. For some people, it might be a simple case of just focusing, get your eyes off it and look over here And God might want to do an amazing thing, you never know. We've got to not allow the past the opportunity to dictate the future. If I had, um, if I had, um, Christy here right now, I'd get her up to play the keyboards a bit. I don't have her at the moment. I want to pray for some people today. If you feel that the Lord's speaking to you. And if you feel comfortable receiving prayer. One of the things I know about this church is we're a hodgepodge of people. Starting first with the biggest hodgepodge, me and Jackie. We've all come from various backgrounds and we've all come from places, some good, some not so good. We've all got experiences. I mean, I don't know how many ex-pastors we've got in this church here. I don't know how many ex-connect group leaders we've got, ex-ministry leaders, ex uh, all kinds of people here. We've all had experiences and we've all had things happen. Some good and some not so good. That's just the reality. I really feel challenged this week. I wasn't going to preach on this. Um, this is not something I have ever preached on, to be honest. And I didn't know that half the people that are here today were even going to come. But I'm going to say I believe that God's saying something. I believe God wants us to look ahead and to let go of some of that stuff. And some of the answers we don't have be comfortable with that. You don't have an answer. In due time, God might give you one. In due time, God might not. I don't know. But I do believe that God wants to do something. I do believe that God wants to use you. I do believe that God wants to push you forward into something for the benefit of his kingdom. And we've got to not be hanging on to anything that would hinder us or pull us back from that. I was reading in Genesis the other day, the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. And I'd never noticed this before in Genesis chapter 19. I'll read it, verse 16. I read the story a thousand times and we all know it. Abraham prays, the angels come, grab Lot, take them away, Lot and his family and they get out. But this verse just jumped out at me when I was reading it. In Genesis 19, verse 16, it says this, 
Keep in mind, the angels had come to Lot's house and were wanting to do some... The locals came and wanted to do some terrible things. Lot offered his own daughters. He offered his own daughters to these depraved human beings. That's a sick society. That is a sick, sick society. To be honest with you, I don't even understand and comprehend as a father doing that, but there are cultural things going on, all sorts of stuff. No matter which way you look at it, it's the prey. In verse 16, in verse 15, when the morning dawned, the angels urged Lot to hurry, saying, Arise, take your wife and your two daughters, who are here, lest you be consumed in the punishment of the city. Now verse 16 says this, And while he lingered, while he lingered, the men, the men took hold of his hand, his wife's hand, and the hands of his daughters, the Lord being merciful to him, and they brought him out. Why would you linger? Why would you want to stay there? Why would you not want to run for the hills? Why would it, I'll tell you what, if I was in that situation, I don't think I would need those angels to grab me by the hand grab my wife by the hand and our children leave us out. I think it would be a case of them talking and like in the movies and you turn around and we're gone, there's a dust pile up the hill. For some reason, Lot and his family lingered in that depraved, disgusting place. There was something about it. And I think what it is, is after a while, our crutches, our excuses, our dysfunctions become normal to us. They become normal. And we don't realise how normal they are until they're challenged. Until we're confronted with the opportunity to let it go and walk away. And something inside of us goes, well, hang on a second. I hear what you're saying. It makes sense. I can see the danger. I can see the future. But the practicality of doing it becomes difficult. How many of us are lingering around things of the past, the good, the bad or the ugly, unable to let it go, unable to walk into the future. And we all know what happened. They walked up the hill and Lot's wife turns around and bang, turns into a pillar of salt. I think the principle is pretty straightforward. You turn around, you look backwards, you're going to stay there. You look backwards, you're going to stay there. God's calling us forward. God's doing something different. Your healing lies on the road ahead, not the path behind you. If God wants to bring healing, reconciliation, wholeness, etc. from the past, he's going to do it by taking you forward, not by taking you back. But that's a choice. We need to make that choice. I wonder if we can just close our eyes for a second. My prayer for us as we launch forward into this next year is that if there are things and I'm praying for myself and talking to myself that are back there in the past they don't have to be bad things maybe they're good things but they're things that I'm hanging on to things that I'm using as excuses as to why I can't go forward some of those excuses might be 100% yes and amen valid but I still know that I need to let go of it and move forward. Otherwise, I will never become the man that God wants me to be. 
I will never be the father God wants me to be. I will never be the pastor that God wants me to be, the minister God wants me to be, the friend, the worker. I will not be what God wants me to be. If we together, and I'm saying this with a assumption that if you come to this church, you feel called to be a part of what God's doing here. And it's not better than anywhere else. It's just different. It's just what he's doing. I'm going to make an assumption that together, if we can all let go of that and we can all look ahead, then we can link ourselves up with God and whatever it is that he wants to do because we're not here to just be another Christian group or another religious meeting. God wants to use us to build his kingdom and we have to make a choice to let go of the past and embrace it. Father, I just pray right now, Lord, for each one of us here. God, I, I, Holy Spirit, I pray that if there are any things in our lives, God, Father, hurts, disappointments, unmet expectations, disillusionment, God, maybe they're positive things, positive experiences. Father, if there's anything there that you know we are lingering, lingering around, I pray, God, by your mercy, would you take us by the hand today and would you lead us out and take us away from those things. Give us the grace this morning, I pray. Give us the grace to turn our focus around. Give us the grace to look in the right direction, the grace to let go of the past, to not use it as an excuse, to not use it as a stumbling block anymore, to deny the past the power to control the future. Give us the grace. Father, we pray to do that. And Lord, I pray as we leave this place this morning that we wouldn't just walk out of here and get on with the rest of the week and forget everything, but God, we would allow your spirit to do the work that it's doing in our heart. Now you would turn us into the people, the individuals in the church that you want us to be, Father. And we ask this in the beautiful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, We've got a great morning tea up the back, great coffee, beautiful new tablecloths. Jackie went out and bought this week. I think it makes it look a lot more lively than just black everywhere. Um, please hang around. Say good day to someone you haven't met before. Uh, have a great week. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll have a bit more information on Connect Groups next week. We're going to hang around up the front here. If you would like prayer for anything, we'd love to pray for you. No pressure, you don't have to. But if you feel that, that God's speaking to you, we'd love to, to, to join our faith with you and pray with you. Otherwise, guys, God bless. Have a great week and get stuck into that coffee and just get up with that.